Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, it's a triumphant Game Theory Podcast return. This man is the busiest man in the Bay Area. He is busier than Bob Myers. He's busier than Stephen Curry. <laughs> he has like three jobs. It's Dieter Kurtenbach, folks. The legend of the Game Theory Podcast has returned. Dieter. Hi, Sam. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. And uh, I will demand an apology after this show is done. I, I guarantee that. Why would you ever demand an apology? I, listen, uh, I haven't been on in a while, and Bob Myers and I have gotten together, and we've decided that you need to apologize. Oh, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna make we're not gonna make Bob that angry. I don't think on this show. I think we're gonna talk about no, the Warriors reasonably. And yes, no, no, no. I just I need I needed to get in a pot shot about all of that uh, before we really got into the nitty gritty. I want to talk some real basketball, not the drama. Oh, let's uh. Let's have some fun here, Dieter. How you doing? How how is how, how are things? Because you have like you're on the radio like many hours a day, and yeah. you're writing, and, and like it, it feels like you've got a lot going on in your life. Tell the people I do. what's going on. I do, but it, this is this is the good stuff, right? Like 49ers training camp is going. The Warriors are in this fascinating transitional phase. Uh, clearly post dynasty, but but trying to stay relevant and setting up for something in the future. And you got summer league going on, and as you well know. You, I mean, I think you wrote roughly a hundred thousand words about summer league, and then uh, it, it, baseball's happening, which is something old people who read my newspaper still care about. And <laughs> oh boy, it's uh, it's it's a great time to be in the bay. Uh, it, 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 it pretty much goes without saying most of the time but right now it feels especially fertile for somebody like me and uh yeah i'm 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 excited to be back though i mean this is this is this is one of my my first loves sam talking talking some hoops with you so i'm glad to be able to do it again yeah i mean like just just enjoying we we find ways to get together and talk on the phone but often yeah we're so busy that we just like struggle unless we're like doing something for the content it's tough yeah, like, yeah, we we need that anchor. We need that thing to to pull us, and we got to stay together for the content, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we try to call, we try to text, we try to try to get you know times together, and it's just it ends up being tricky because I'm on the other side of the world now. It's really my fault. Like moving <laughs> moving to the other side of the world is is just like completely well uh, thrown. Things I, I feel it. I feel like this is payback because we used to get together like every Friday bar none and shoot the shit for hours on end at, at, at the beanery. And then I moved to the bay, moved back to the bay and fuck that up. And you're like, I'm going to one up you, Curtin Buck. I'm moving to fucking Australia. Deal with it. And oh, uh, my God. we could probably all deal with it better. But anytime, I mean, we just we snap right back into it. So I don't I don't put too much stress on it. It uh I, I, I think I think we're still strong. I think we're still making it, Sam. I love it. I love it so much. Get all choked up. Okay, let's uh, let's run through. We're going to talk about the Warriors. We're going to talk about the Clippers, the Lakers, the mm-hmm. Suns, and the Kings. The way this works, as per the podcasts you guys have listened to already, I will read off a transaction list of what the team has done this off season. We will talk about it, and then we will have a very simple, quick conversation. Did this team actually get better? So we are going to start. With the team that Dieter covers over in the Bay, the Golden State Warriors, because we go alphabetically here on this show. 
They drafted Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody at 7-14. and 14. They signed Andre Iguodala to a minimum deal. They signed Otto Porter to a minimum deal. They signed Nemanja Bielica to a minimum deal. They traded Eric Pascal for a top 42 protected pick, which a bit of a weird one to me, but nonetheless. <laughs> and then yep. we, we got to pour one out. We got to take a second here. Whew. Pour one out. The Geech is gone. I know. I Alan Smiley Geech. The, the grand experiment. Such a peculiar of the, day. The grand experiment of the Golden State Warriors front office has departed. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> What a what a world! I I, I I could do ten hours of content on the Geech. Um, my favorite smiley there is Geech genuinely moment. like Anthony Slater. I am going to tell him. There's a book on it on just Smiley Geech. Yeah, Slater genuinely needs to write the oral history of <laughs> all of the like mountains that the Warriors moved to get Alan Smiley Geech. My favorite part of the Smiley Geech situation was uh, (laughs) how I am in the hallway at the Warriors' old practice facility in Oakland on draft night, the night that they selected Smiley Geech, like trading up multiple times to maintain him because Lawrence Frank basically wanted to ruin Bob Myers' night. And... uh, (laughs) And so did David Griffin. And I'm sitting in the hallway doing a radio hit because, heaven forbid, my voice isn't broadcast somewhere in the world at any given moment. And Smiley Geach walks past. And this is before he's been selected. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on hold, right? They haven't started yet. And they go, Alan, congratulations. Presuming that it's already been dealt with. And he's like, uh, he like didn't do this. So Connor Letourneau's talking to him, I think a couple of days later when they, they introduce him and it's like, oh, I saw, you know, I saw that you were here. I think I had talked to him about it or it was something to the effect of, so you were here on draft night. Uh, what was that like is the Warriors had to trade up a couple of times to get it. And Smiley Keith's just like, I was not here on draft night. <laughs> like, he was just like <laughs> hardcore about it. Like, I was not here on draft night. Why would you allege such a thing? The Warriors were like, he wasn't here on draft night. And it's like, dude, forgive me you know, for confusing. There must have been some other bald seven-foot Serbian guy who's 18 years Teenager. old walking through yeah. the hallways at the time. <laughs> just unbelievable. Oh my God. And it only got the, better from there. The Warriors. Uh, the the Smiley Geach. And by the way, like it's not that weird for him to have been there because he played no. with their G League team. Like it's right. fine. That I mean, like, look, it might be a little bit weird, but like, whatever. Who cares? Uh, did the Golden State Warriors get better? I think that they are going to be better next year, if only because Clay Thompson is back. But I like the moves that they made this off season to particularly shore up the wing position and to bring in more defensive versatility and length. Getting Andre Guadalla, getting Otto Porter. I think that both those guys have a chance to really, really help the team. Uh, look, on some level, they need to stay healthy, right? Andre Guadalla yeah. is older. Otto Porter hasn't really had a great run for a while at this point. But I I like the potential that those two guys have in order to at least bring something to the table as wings who can, uh, in Porter's case, shoot, in Iguodala's case, can handle the ball and make good decisions. These are the kind of guys that teams that are trying to compete for a top four seed in the West – 
uh, th- they need them on the wing. So I, mm-hmm. I, I liked bringing in both of those guys. You have to also add in the fact that uh, Clay Thompson is going to come back in, in some capacity at some point. Um, they haven't had him for two years. And if nothing else, you know, Clay Thompson isn't a playmaker. He's not somebody who's going to put the ball on the floor and knock down a bunch of shots in crunch time. But I don't know if there's a better floor spacer, um, a catch-and-shoot guy in the league. And we can talk about that in the history of the NBA. Uh, His defense is is likely to have taken a step back, just given the nature of the injuries that he's been out with for the last two years. But the shot is apparently still very wet. And even if he's on a minutes restriction, the spacing that he'll provide for the Warriors, particularly in crunch time, if you have Porter or Bielitsa playing next to Green, playing next to Wiggins and, of course, Curry. Uh, The closing lineup has a chance to be really good. I I think that the one thing, and I I don't know if it was conscious, though I I do get some indications from people I talked to with the Warriors that it might have seeped in, but the the goal seemed to be don't have two non-shooters on the floor at the same time. And um, I think that they they did that. I think that they did a good job in... in, um, to whatever degree you're able to do that, there there still certainly can be lineups where that's the case with with Looney and Green on the floor at the same time. All that, but, and wise uh, certainly with the closing lineup, that that that's not going to be an issue. Whether Jordan Poole's in there or Porter, or again, um, they'll close with they'll close with shooters. They'll close with yeah. guys who can get baskets and. With Draymond Green at center, that's going to be that's going to be a hell of a lineup. So I don't think that there's any question that they got better. How much better? Probably not as much as some people want to believe, but better nevertheless. Yeah, look, all of this is just dependent on how long Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green can play at an elite level. In the case of the Warriors, uh, they're betting on those guys being great for a while, and they're betting on Andrew Wiggins continuing to be able to provide high-level defense and shooting, which he did last year, and he provided more than that. Like He was a good shot creator at times. I thought he had a really underrated season. I really thought Andrew Wiggins was very good last year. I don't think he was like an all-defense guy, but I thought he was a real plus defender that yep. hit 38% from three. He created shots from the mid-post. Like, he did every the Warriors could have asked for from him and if you add Clay Thompson back in to that starting lineup with Steph with Dre it's probably going to even open the floor more for Wiggins and he's going to get 100%. even better matchups uh, than what he had last year so I think they're going to be really good I think they're going to be really really good and this is before we even like get to whatever James Wiseman is mm-hmm. if James Wiseman has a big off season and can have a like real impact for 25 minutes a night for them where he's a great rim protector and finishes above the rim. Yeah. I mean, you throw that in with Moses Moody, who I think is going to be really beneficial early off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, throw that in with Jordan Poole, who had a great close to the year. Kevon Looney obviously is uh, someone that, Steve Kerr trusts let's go with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Juan Toscano Anderson had a great year off the bench yes. for the Warriors Absolutely. last year like this is a deeper team than the Warriors have had in a while and well, that's yeah, I, yeah that's, that, that's what huge. it comes down to last year they ran out of gas like they were playing exceptional basketball by the standard that the league set last year at the end of the season they just didn't have the juice 
come playoff time. Um, they were playing top five defense. That became almost a trope at the beginning of the season. Top five defense, top five defense. They were playing top five defense. And while Curry was having to carry an unbelievable load offensively, he was carrying it. And they were playing, they were just playing great basketball. It was very, you know, open court, up and down, push the pace, um, very aesthetically pleasing and it was winning it was winning a lot of games and um while it didn't get them into the the real tournament i think that the biggest issue wasn't the way that they were playing or even the guys that they had on the team the issue was they didn't have enough guys they were running an man rotation it went to seven in games that really mattered you can't win in the nba in the regular the very end of the season game six game seven of the nba finals go with the seven man rotation i'm not going to tell you not to but you can't be doing that in games 65 of the regular season of a 72 game regular season and it came back and bit him in the ass against you know a lakers team that that certainly had more firepower and more options and a, a memphis team that threw rocks for 40 minutes and then had John ja Morant turn in a spectacular performance down the stretch to uh, to will Memphis to that win. They, they could not keep up with Memphis's strength or their youthful legs. And so depth had to be the key. And, and there's no question they're deeper, though. It, it's, again, kind of difficult to divide by zero. I, I'm not sure if all this depth is great, but it is depth. And that's really what they needed more than anything else. So... Did the Warriors get better? I think the offseason answer is yes. How good do we think this Warriors team is? Because I am very high on them. I can totally understand why people are super high on them. My issue is that I keep thinking about the real world realities of the <laughs> the scenario for them. There's so many ifs. There's too many ifs for me to feel really comfortable about this team. If things work out for them if damn near everything goes right they're probably one of the four or five best teams in the nba i mean that they have that kind of talent still they can and and by the way get them in the tournament where you have draymond to whatever degree andre guadala still has a role on this team at that juncture we'll see but you have steph clay and draymond i'm not betting against that triumvirate come playoff time uh, just full yep. stop. I guess Looney, too, because he's had so much experience at this juncture. Those guys know what they're doing, and they can exert their will in the big moments, whereas a lot of teams don't have that ability. And I think we saw that a lot in this this past playoff. But, man, you're counting on, like every team, you're counting on your, your superstar to continue to play at a superstar level to not take even a half step back a, a you know a, a nudge back you're counting on clay thompson to come back and look like clay thompson to you know the layperson and give you serious minutes by the time the season is over uh you're counting on draymond green to stay at all nba defensive team levels all you know uh defensive player of the year finalist i think you're counting on uh, you know, a guy like Porter and a guy like Bielitsa to give you a really quality role player minutes. You're counting on, and these are the ones where it starts getting kind of funky. Like Wiggins is going to be Wiggins. I, I think he has a chance to maybe take even a, another step ahead. Uh, but you don't put too much on Andrew Wiggins in, in the sense of he's not going to make or break you. But they're putting a lot on Jordan Poole. They're putting a lot on James Wiseman. They're putting a lot on Moses Moody. Uh, anything they get from Kaminga is gravy. And I think that he can probably provide, uh, Summer League he looked really good. Um, he might be able to provide more than any initially believed. Uh, but 
there are some young guys on this team that are are being asked to take a fairly significant step forward. In, in the case of Moody, they're asking him to play like a veteran from day one. In, in the case of Poole, they're asking him to go from a guy who could get hot on the right you know right time, right day. You can have a poor Jordan Poole day. I mean, this is a guy who was playing in the G League bubble last year so that he can get his confidence back. And he came back, and he was awesome when he came back from Orlando. But now they're asking him to be the sixth man of the year. I I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if James Wiseman coming off of a a torn meniscus in his knee, uh, he is super young. But I, I don't know if he's going to get a full training camp and the ability to kind of get integrated with this team in a way that he wasn't able to last year. And by the way, I don't know if the Warriors coaching staff, which has very seriously uh, been revamped, um, is going to be all that cohesive to begin with. If the player development models that they're putting out don't need a year or two to sort of get a little bit of, you know, get a little bit of oil on the motor and um, how they handle Wiseman in particular is going to be truly fascinating. Kaminga's got a lot of time, but Wiseman, the Warriors have never had a player like him. We talked about this a ton last year. They've never had a center like him in their system. Are they going to try to mold him into an Andrew Bogut, or are they going to let him be the player that he can be, and how does that affect everybody else on the team? It's a lot of ifs. I know every team has them, but I think that, you know, I think I saw in Vegas they were at 48, 49 win total. I feel like that's a little bit high for me. And just because, again, there's so many ways that this can go wrong. And even the small things can have massive ramifications for this team. It's just kind of a no-brainer to me to go over on the 49 number. Like, yeah. I, I think it. they're going to be awesome. I'm in on the Warriors. That's this awesome. Year. I hate. That's great. I hate, I hate myself for it a little bit because there's so much risk involved. And right, you guys know that Robbie Callan and I will be doing over unders at some point at the beginning mm-hmm. of October, late September, and we're excited for that moment. We love unders as much as anyone, <laughs> but man, <laughs> I think this. I think this Warriors team is going to be really good. I think that they. Like, they would be right now, given that Jamal Murray is out and given that mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard is out, mm-hmm. I think I would pick them third or fourth in the West. Wow. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I mean, the other thing, too, is that the range of expectations is so wide, right? Like, are they back to being a true championship contender or are they a play-in team? Are they, you know, I guess you're almost kind of splitting the difference. And if that's considered high, then maybe I'm right there with you. Um, they're certainly, they certainly shouldn't be in the play-in tournament. Um, I, I think that they can weather some storm and still survive that given the state of the Western Conference as you partially laid out. Um, and we'll talk about certainly with with the teams to come but man I, much <laughs> it, it's it's they, they might be the most interesting team in basketball this season because if one thing goes wrong man i can see a, a hundred other things following suit like dominoes and if it goes right the same thing i mean they might just get some momentum early and boy, they look like a juggernaut by the time the season ends because it was just all clicking. This team, um, 
this team's going to ride some interesting vibes this year. Last year, they had some tough vibes, uh, even though they had the Tsunami Poppy around, uh, and he is supposedly you know the vibe king. They they were not they were not in a good place for the vast majority of the year, and it wasn't until Kirk kind of put his foot down and decided to do some tough stuff and knock people out of the rotation and stuff that they they kind of finally found something. Uh, they don't get as much time to feel this out as as they're going to want, and I'm, I'm interested to see how they come out of the gate and where they're at come Christmas time because uh, as much as yes, it could ramp up into something really good. And maybe that's the way they're planning it. We'll find out come training camp time. Um, you know, the margin for error in a Western Conference is still really tight, even with, it you is. know, I think it coming back. So, man, I wish I could give you the number. Uh, if I could, I'd, I'd be making a ton of money, and I, we wouldn't have to be doing this content anymore. But it, it is, if nothing else, going to be super interesting. They are a fascinating, a fascinating squad in a very weird period of time. So I'm all for it. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. The biggest news is that they got Kawhi Leonard to sign on the dotted line, not just for a one plus one, but they got him on a four-year deal for $176 million. They re-signed Reggie Jackson to a two-year $21 million deal. They re-signed Nikola Batum to God, what has to be one of the bargains of free agency. Two years, $6.5 million. They traded Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Aturu for Eric Bledsoe. They signed Justice Winslow to a two-year deal. Serge Ibaka opted into his player option, and then they drafted Keon Johnson, Jason Preston, and Brandon Boston. They gave all of those guys real, actual money. They will all be rostered players this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, Look, the Clippers are just in a weird spot because Kawhi Leonard's out. And we will have to see how they adjust to that and if he can come back late in this season and potentially bring them to a playoff push. Let's start with this. Do you think the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard are a playoff team? Yes, but I have a hard... hmm. I was thinking about this before, you know, I, I came on. I don't think... I don't think they're an 82-game team, and I don't think they're a 16-game team without Kawhi Leonard. Um, I can see routes in which they're they're good, but Paul George is going to have to have an absolutely monster season, and he's certainly capable of doing that. He's he is so he, he's so underrated as a player, and I I know that you can get on him for a million things, but he, he's brilliantly gifted and has the ability to do stuff that very few guys in the NBA can do on a consistent basis. The question for him is going to be how often is he going to be out there? Are they going to ride Paul George this season? If they can, if his body cooperates, if the training staff says that's a-okay, they got a shot. I mean, they, they really do. They have a shot to be a, a damn good team. And um, and then they'll see where they're at if Leonard comes back. But I'm not betting on that. And there's still a lot of question marks with this team. Like, what is Luke Kennard to them? Uh, you know, the the enigma that is yeah. Justice Winslow, a guy that I've liked for a long time. But listen, he's not an impact player. He hasn't been for quite a minute now. And can the Clippers pull something out of him? You know, Marcus Morris is a streaky dude. Um, they're going to need him to be huge. Uh, he, he might be the second source of offense on a lot of, if not most nights. Um, can he be consistent? Uh, you know, Reggie, Reggie's been great. I, 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 I don't question re-signing him or anything like that. But, you know, can he take a step forward? Or is that not something that's in the, 
the cards for him in this, you know, at this point yeah, in his like, career. And then he, yeah. like, do we get playoff Reggie Jackson or do we get regular season Reggie Jackson? That, that's and then you, kind of then a big get, question, I think. You get playoff Terrence Mann. It, it feels yeah. like they're putting a lot on that. And it's like, I, I don't know if that's a good bet. Uh, playoff Nicholas Batum, he was spectacular. He scored eight points per game in the regular season last year. I mean, it's it, this is a team that is built when it's healthy to really do well. I, I, I really like the cut of their jib for uh, the 16-game schedule if you have Kawhi. Um, and you you know you, you can lean on some of these tertiary players on a weird night, and they're going to come through because it's good. But over the long haul, man, I don't I just I, I don't know if they're going to be able to accumulate the wins early so that they can coast. I think it's just going to be a struggle for them all year. And and to answer the big question, did they get better? I. Th- I mean, do I mean, we on factor paper, in Kawhi's injury there? <laughs> like, yeah, like on paper, did they get better? Probably on some level, but they're going to be yeah. missing a lot of games. Like Kawhi Leonard played 52 games this year. He might play 20 at the end of the year, and that's going to result in more losses for them this year. And And the other thing, too, is I don't think we can bank on Kawhi Leonard playing. This no, season. we definitely I, I, can't. I would say that it's more plausible than not, more plausible that he doesn't than he does. Just given, I mean, think about it too. Um, I think it was fair to have some <laughs> question marks about him signing a one-year deal coming off of this injury, and then the Clippers basically hold you know paying him thirty-something million dollars to get healthy so that they can maybe sign him again the year after. Um, but much like the Anthony Davis contract, I do find it interesting that he signed the long-term deal, that he that he took the term. And um, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that, that he's playing this year, that he took yeah. term. He's trying to lock in as much money as he can right now because perhaps, and this is my speculation, but this is my speculation with Davis, and I, I think it's proven to be correct, and, and maybe, maybe this is flawed logic inherent, but... Uh, yeah, maybe he thinks that this is this is the kind of injury that okay, this is the one that kind of takes him down a notch or two. So let's lock that in. Play in this or at least one has year. that concern. It's and it, and I think it's a fair concern, but he knows better. I mean, it's not like we're getting injury updates about Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> so right. Uh, right. all we can do is is judge on his actions, and his actions gives you know the one action that we're judging guess. off of here gives like it. Gives, we're, we're guessing gives a, at this point. Yeah, gives it gives it gives a not so great indication of uh, the immediate and perhaps even long term future, and I hope I'm wrong about that because he is an ex, you know, an unbelievable basketball player, and uh, I very much enjoy watching him play on both sides of the court. But without him, this Clippers team isn't winning anything of real worth, and this is a team that for many years now, since Kawhi Leonard's been there, has been built around. You know this notion uh, they've almost been entitled this entire time just this expectation of oh we'll, we'll, we'll coast through the regular season then we'll get to the playoffs and then we'll really unleash hell they don't get they don't get that window anymore that window's gone it probably should have never existed but it sure as hell gone now and i i'm fascinated absolutely fascinated to see how paul george handles this role because it's very similar to back when he was with the pacers and i understand that the market's a little bit different but he's got to do some of that same stuff and i don't know if i don't know if his body has it has it in it so 
I think that they got better last year, especially like in okay. the second half of last year, about right. giving effort and realizing mm-hmm. we need to bring it every night. Like they had the second best net rating in the NBA last year. Uh, yeah. They played they slower. Awesome. Like they they made like it felt like they were consciously playing fewer possessions uh, yes. under Ty Lu than they were under Doc Rivers. Uh, like that last year under Doc, they had, uh, if I remember correctly, like this seventh highest pace of play in the NBA. Last year, they were mm. the third slowest team in the NBA. <laughs> And it felt like to me that like lo- having that like made them lock in in half court sets more often, I guess. Yeah. And I think that they got pretty good about giving a damn. The, the two things that are going to swing this for the Clippers this year are which Reggie Jackson do you get? Do you get the playoff Reggie Jackson where he averaged 18 points and four assists and shot 48, 40, like 90 from the field? Or do you get the regular season Reggie Jackson where he was like a good, like half time, half of the time starter, half of the time sixth man? I kind of think the shooting is pretty real at this point from Reggie. I need to see more in terms of the consistent playmaking and passing. The second yeah. thing for me is what do we get from Eric Bledsoe? Was last year just like a pure sabbatical because he didn't want to be in New Orleans? And as he has proven time and time again, for instance, with the I don't want to be here tweet with Phoenix, he is someone that will disengage when he's not interested. I think this is a situation where he'll probably be pretty interested because this team could be a playoff team and could be really good. And he will be playing to continue to be a part of it for when Kawhi gets back and prove that he can play at a high level in the NBA still after last year's disaster. So does he still have some of the offensive ability that he had, frankly, like last time he played, uh, you know, for Phoenix, where he was averaging like 20 points a game and could do some things. Even in Milwaukee, that second to last year, not the like last year in Milwaukee where he had a terrible playoffs and everything, but in 2018 right. 19, I mean, he averaged 16 points and six assists. Like, can we get mm-hmm. back to that, Eric Bledsoe? Or is he just not that level athlete anymore at 32 years old and just hasn't adjusted in the way that a Reggie Jackson has? in terms of becoming like a dead-eye shooter like Reggie did last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. But they're going to need more usage from Eric Bledsoe than what he was counted on to do in Milwaukee. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing away the New Orleans year because like New Orleans fans will be upset with me for that. But I think he just frankly did not give a damn about being there. And I don't know that it says much about who he is still as a player. Uh, I get that. I get that. This is this is the year where he gets to establish if he ever deserves the benefit of the doubt again. You're giving it to him. I totally get it. We're going to find out real early if he's about it or not, because if he's not about this, he ain't about he ain't about having a a, a real role on a real team moving forward. And that's that's fine. That's his prerogative. But, um, you know, (laughs) you're you're 100 percent right. They need him like no. They need him bad this year, and if we can get uh, a Bledsoe Renaissance, 
that changes the paradigm just a smidge. That that now yeah. creates a new environment to discuss in the Western Conference. But I don't I don't know how you I don't know how anyone feels like they are going to get a read on that until we see them play an actual regular season game. I mean, it's it's going to be that is the ultimate mystery and how that that might maintain as a mystery for months on end until we get to some real deep games when they're actually playing for their lives because I I don't again I don't know how much stock I want to put in anything the Clippers do in the regular season. This is uh, for one last time a team that is built around postseason and kind of needs to get the shit scared out of it every now and again. And I, and, I'm glad and by you the put- way, they were mm-hmm. great in the postseason last year. Like yes, this team was really good. Like I think that they were probably going to make the finals if Kawhi doesn't get hurt. So agreed, agreed. But man. they did, they did, they did need to get the shit scared out of them by Dallas. Don't forget. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. So I don't know. I'm going to be very interested to see what the Clippers look like this year. I will also note the Justice Winslow signing is interesting to me insofar as this team has had a better run just kind of resurrecting players' careers uh, over the last couple years than I think maybe any team in the league. Like Nikola Batum being as good as he was last year was incredibly impressive. Reggie Jackson being as good as he was last year was very impressive. Uh, If they can get Justice Winslow to do what we all thought Justice Winslow had potential to do after that second season in Miami and after the third season even in Miami when he got hurt, like I I feel like they have a real, real shot to be very, very useful. Um, I'm with you. Did this team get better? They're probably going to lose more games because Kawhi Leonard is hurt at the end of the day. So I don't know that it's worth belaboring anything else. Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back. All right. And we're back here. Let's, uh, let's run through the Lakers. Uh, Did you know Russell Westbrook plays for the Lakers now? I haven't been on Instagram lately. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I heard about it, man. Um, I've heard about everybody who plays for the Lakers. <laughs> Have Jesus you wrapped your head around Christ. the fact that Russell Westbrook plays for the Lakers yet? Actually, it didn't. It didn't seem as it was not as challenging for me as as I as I thought it might be. Right? Like, yeah. At this point, at this point, he's now. What, this is his fourth team. Like. I'm kind of used to Russell Westbrook moving at this juncture. The first time when he went to Houston, that was like, oh, wow, that, that's a big deal. And then when he went to the Wizards, you're like, wow, that's a thing. And now that he's at the Lakers, you're like, where, where will he be next year? To it's be determined. A, I still am trying to figure it out, I think, to some extent. But Russell Westbrook got traded. Are you trying to figure it out from, from what, what perspective? Like, are you trying to figure it out as to why or Russ, or how? Why or how? More, Answer yeah, the question. I'm, more the how on my end that I'm still trying to figure I get that. out. Uh, I get that. Let, let's run through some of the Lakers moves this summer. They traded <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope, Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma plus their 2022 first rounder for Russell Westbrook uh, within one of the strangest five team deals and most compl- convoluted deals I've ever seen in my life. They awesome. 
re-signed Taylor Horton Tucker to a three-year $31 million deal. They signed Dwight Howard to a minimum deal. They signed Malik Monk to a minimum deal. They signed Carmelo Anthony to a minimum deal. They signed Kent Bazemore to a minimum deal. They signed Trevor Ariza to a minimum deal. They signed Kendrick Nunn to a two-year $10 million deal. And they signed Joel Ayayi and Austin Reeves to two-way deals. Whew, that's a uh, that's a mouthful. So this is a different Laker team than what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. I think that the point of the Russell Westbrook move is to make it so they don't have to be in the play-in next year. Even if right. LeBron James and Anthony Ed- or Anthony Davis end up sitting out some games <laughs> and missing games like together, they're still going to have a chance to win with Russell Westbrook around because Russ is a genuinely great regular season player and he's a floor raiser yes. mm-hmm. i think that has value like i think that has real no genuine question. value the, the question for me is what does this look like in the playoffs and i don't know the answer to that at this point it's it's probably pretty rough i mean it, it, they could be proven i could be proven wrong here in terms of a regular season team though this team has a chance to be like fucking awesome <laughs> Like, oh, totally. Like, like I, I just kind of look like they have a chance to be like r- really, really good. Like Wayne Ellington, like they just have a bunch of really good players. And no, not every player can do everything that they were once able to do. A lot of them are just specialists. But like, there's a lot of guys in the NBA who aren't even specialists, right? They're they're just sort of this thing that floats around, and you hope it works out. But like, it, it's going to be tough in the playoffs. Um, I actually feel fairly confident about that just because you need to have a a sense of cohesion. You need to have an identity and all that. And I I have a hard time seeing this team developing one, but in terms of a regular season team that as you alluded to, or flat out said their two best players are big time question marks throughout the regular season. Davis, you have no idea. You have no idea. And, it's not as if the issues that he was plagued by last year are just going to magically go away after one off season. I mean, these are long-term concerns that can't, it's not like a surgery is just going to rectify him. I mean, the dude's Achilles are just too short. Like what what, what are you going to do? Um, uh, LeBron has played uh, more than well, more than half of the years of my life in the NBA. Like, full stop (laughs) he's he's old i mean there's you can't have him out there every night and and going hard you know lebron james balls to the wall but the westbrook thing is inspired for the reasons that you laid out and they have really good players around just him they're 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 a decent enough team with just westbrook you add in lebron now they're damn good team you add in anthony davis well, now they're a really, really good team. And defensively, it's going to be interesting uh, in terms of spacing and shot creation in crunch time of big games. It is going to be all the way into like, I, I, I cannot wait to see it. It is going to be just I'm going to think about it for days on end after it happens. Just how did we come to this point? How did Frank Vogel come up with that? Uh, how, how did things manifest in such a way? <laughs> But, I mean, the, the, they're guarant- I, I think they're guaranteed to win 50-something games in the regular season this year and just make their life easy going into the playoffs, giving themselves a puncher's chance, which is, as, as you said, 
not something they had last year. They they barely made the motherfucker. So, yeah, I, great great offseason for them. Just outstanding offseason. They stole all of the good minimum players, and they added a player that they, they in their unique circumstance, really needed. I, I don't know how you don't give it an A+. Out of this grouping of Dwight, Monk, Anthony, Baysmore, Nunn, Ariza, what player are you most excited about? If you're the Lakers, I think Monk has to be the guy um, just because he still maintains upside. I, I don't know if none is is of that same ilk. I, I just found it strange that Monk was available. <laughs> I understand what, what what Charlotte was doing and not necessarily wanting to hold him in at, at a high number. But he's a I, I have a feeling like we're going to be a month into the season and the prevailing narrative on the talking head shows is how did how did Malik Monk end up with the Lakers? That's not fair. That kind of stuff. And it might not play out in the playoffs, but like that's he he gives them a chance to be more than just that specialist sort of role player. I think he has a chance to to really, you know, on on some nights be the number number 3 option on nights when you got no Davis, no LeBron, the number 2 option and be extremely viable in that. Uh, Melo will get the headlines and we'll talk about that and he'll have a couple 30-point games because he just stands in the corner and knocks down all the shots given to him by great point guard play from LeBron and, and Westbrook, but uh I think Monk is, is is far and away the most interesting one. Do you agree or do you have somebody else? I think he's the most interesting one for sure. Uh he had a really, really good fourth season that I think went a little bit under the radar once he kind of entered the rotation. Uh, he missed a bunch of games, you know, in April. But from you, you look at like January 30th through March 26th, so that's a 25 game stretch. Malik Monk averaged like 15 points a game. Yeah. And was actually like starting to showcase that he was really really good uh look he's gonna be like kind of spoon-fed open looks in a way that he hasn't really gotten the chance to experience in the past and that's interesting to me that's actually like really really interesting to me if i'm a lakers fan like I, i think that he could end up having a really really good year for them the Kendrick Nunn thing, I mean, whatever. He's fine, yeah. I guess. Um, you know what he is at this point. There's not some untapped talent just sitting yeah. there waiting to be exploited. He'll, he'll get, I, I there mean, will be some good games where Kendrick Nunn performs, and he'll be yeah. a steady Eddie, and he'll enjoy standing in the corner and knocking down shots. The problem is that he is a pretty significant defensive liability, and Monk is too, but like, right. they went out and they got... Carmelo Anthony was another defensive liability and like they're going to be very reliant on dudes like Taylor Horton Tucker Trent or Trevor Ariza and Kent Bazemore mm-hmm. in particularly Ariza that's- and Bazemore to still be something <laughs> defensively and that's what worries me that's 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 going to be quite something I mean the Ariza thing is I'm not sure why you would buy in on that other than sort of LA fountain of youth logic and the Bazemore thing is uh just a disaster waiting to happen there's no question that kent Bazemore is like not he's he's some nights he's a really solid defender most nights he loves to foul 
<laughs> it's just his favorite thing. Just how many fouls can I get as soon as possible? And uh, I just saw it all last year. He was he was an important player for the Warriors, and it, it, exceptionally frustrating to watch because just <laughs> he, he's been in the league for how long? And he makes like rookie mistakes on defense. Like you're in position. And he just decided, like, I'm going to do the thing that I haven't done in three years and try to steal this ball through this guy's hand. And just just stupid shit. Just stupid shit from, you know, a very smart guy who's a long-term veteran. And it's it, good luck with that, Lakers fans, because it is it is an experience if there ever was one. Defensively, someone's going to carve him up in the playoffs. I mean, just Anthony Davis is incredible, but he can't fix – he can't play four positions at one time. So – they're they're probably screwed come then but they'll add three more people at the trade deadline or some nonsense and um all i can think about with this team is boy are they screwed once lebron decides to retire um because but that's not going to be for a while so enjoy it enjoy it while it lasts it should be pretty fun i'm going to be really interested to see what the rust situation looks like in the playoffs if only because russell westbrook is a player that is best right now almost used as like a four man in the playoffs. Like they're almost going to have to use mm-hmm. him as the mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. in a weird way. And just, like, he's going to have put to him be in the willing, dunker spot. Well, he's going to have to be willing to do some of that. He's going to have to be willing to set screens because right. In what past has LeBron James ever been willing to give up the ball come playoff time? Well, uh, no, you're right. He hasn't done it. I don't know if it's, it's a willing, thing i think it's a necessity thing he's the best playmaker on the team i mean he's lebron fucking james so um and he still is but you know we're not talking about matthew della vadova here and when you're dealing with like you know Kyrie, well Kyrie is also an unbelievable shooter and the ball does at that point in his career stopped with him fairly frequently so yeah it's true i give lebron the benefit of the doubt on that one that said, I don't know if I want the ball in Russell Westbrook's hand come playoff time. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the alternative is, is what you said. He's the four, which that doesn't sound great. Or he's doing Russ Westbrook shit, which probably doesn't maximize the team's chances of winning come playoff time. So that's a real conundrum, but that's a long ways away. And again, I'm sure there's going to be you know some other person who that we're not talking about right now uh, who's involved in all of this because heaven forbid anything ever slow down with the los angeles lakers just sell all that future stock and get in on on this new car so (laughs) i think their their investment strategy i think my i think my take on the lakers is that they win the west in the regular season yeah okay okay yeah and i I think they would still be my favorite to win the west in the playoffs it'll be much more difficult it'll be really competitive yeah if only because Phoenix is good and Utah, I think, is going to be good again. And we'll see if Jamal yeah. Murray comes back for Denver. And the Warriors, obviously, are going to be very fun and very competitive, as we just talked about. I him. think they would still be my and favorite. And who the hell knows the if Kawhi is playing? You know? like, yeah. I, I yeah. think that they would be my favorite Ooh. in the West. If only because they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, and anytime you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, you're in the yeah. best position. I think I think that's fair. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to go buy that ticket. Um, the odds need to be much shorter than in years past, and that's. T- I mean, we're talking strictly gambling. The Lakers are always a super public team, so I don't know if there will ever be value in the Lakers in that regard. But right. I, I'm with you. I, I think that they probably should be 
ranked one in both categories. I, I do think, though, um, there's probably there's probably value in, in thinking about the, the Lakers as not winning the Western Conference, not having the one seed in the Western Conference, because, again, yeah. the moves that they've made for depth, uh, it, it, you pointed out astutely, clearly made so that they can handle not having LeBron and Davis simultaneously at, at certain junctures, and, and that only that only indicates that they're planning on having at least one of them out more frequently moving forward. They went out and got the ultimate Iron Man so that he could right. he could hold them over. So um, they, they'll you know they'll probably be load managing a bunch. And given where those two players are at, yeah, I, I would do it too. And um, so I think maybe the conversation we'll be having about this team in nearly a year from now is more: did they were they able to find anything in the regular season that's transferable? to uh playoff time will they be able to go on a stretch for three weeks a month where they establish an identity and give a hint as to the adjustments that they can make the style of play that they want to have when the going gets tough and the moments are big um cohesion matters when you have this many new guys and especially when you you add a player of westbrook's caliber at the position that he plays so um but those are good problems to have compared to the ones that they had last year, which is can they hold on and can Anthony Davis actually get on the court? Um, I'd much rather be in this situation sort of sort of punting to a degree the regular season as and in, in going in with, to the playoffs with some questions while answering the question, will you have Anthony Davis? And they'll be able to say yes, because Again, you're you're right. Uh, even take LeBron out of the equation, as ridiculous as that sounds. Like Davis is the most important player on that team, bar none. And uh, when he's on the court, their defense is going to be at a very play at a very high level, and offensively, they'll be really good. <laughs> he's he is he is a superstar amongst all superstars. So do whatever you can to make sure you have that guy on the court every single day come playoff time. I think that I would still say LeBron is their most important player, if only like because if Anthony Davis is out and it's LeBron and Russell Westbrook, I think they still have a chance to like make the Western Conference Finals. If LeBron is out okay. and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are the pairing, I'm more hesitant about that. You know what I mean? It's it's an ex- it's a it's an extremely good argument. It's a good argument. I don't know if I buy in on the first part of it, but I guess we're going to get plenty of opportunities to see what the team looks like with or without one of these players in the, coming, in the coming months. So we'll, we'll have a better idea on uh, who was right and who was wrong with that uh, come uh, probably you know March 1. We'll have a great <laughs> idea. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. They re-signed Chris Paul to a four-year $120 million deal that has outs. Whoa let's say, uh, in years three and four, uh, if, if necessary. Uh, they signed right. campaign to a three-year $19 million deal. They acquired Landry Shamit for the number 29 overall pick and Javon Carter. They re-signed mm-hmm. Frank Kaminsky. They signed Alfred Payton. They re-signed Abdul Nader, and they signed JaVale McGee. I think this is a team that is essentially choosing to run it back. And adding on the margins, the thing that they needed most in the playoffs last year was a backup center. They brought in JaVale mm-hmm. McGee. This team's going to get better just through natural progression of guys like Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson. I, I think that what they did this summer 
is smart in terms of, hey, let's just run it back and let's see how it goes. I'm with you. I mean, the other thing, too, is I I wouldn't count out Torrey Craig rejoining this team either. Uh, He's still, I believe, floating out there. And I thought he was a really nice piece for them um, once they acquired him this season. And he obviously played a lot in the playoffs. And, um, yeah, listen, the Suns' run to the finals was a bit of a had a bit of a Cinderella feeling to it, right? It was storybook. They were kind of the underdogs. They're not going to get that deference anymore, nor should they. Uh, they're going to have to be bringing it most every night. And I think that the biggest thing that they're betting on, and the thing I'm most interested to see, is if playoff DeAndre Ayton can be a regular season DeAndre Ayton. And if he can, then, yeah, the Suns are probably the best team in the Western Conference because they were the best team in the Western Conference last year when DeAndre Ayton took it up a notch. But he took it up a lot. I mean, he was good. He was good last year's regular season, don't get me wrong. But we're talking 10 extra points per game, you know, four or five extra rebounds per game, uh, defensively just a monster uh, in a way that he wasn't in the regular season, at least on a consistent basis. Like, I'm, I'm happy they're running it back. But you need to run it back plus because everybody else we've talked about so far has gotten better. I mean, even the Clippers on that margin, I feel like they've gotten better. Um, Paul's older. Booker was in and out during the finals. I think it's a nice way to put it. When he's on, it's unbelievable. But when he's not, it it is conspicuous. Um, Bridges is such a good player. He had a breakout. But I think it it, it hinges on Aiton. He got to that next level. But can he maintain that next level? It's somewhat reminiscent of the the Jason Tatum star turn. Was that his rookie year or his sophomore year, where they took um, where they took LeBron seven um, in in the Eastern Conference Finals? Like it feels kind of like that. And I know that Aiton's older than the forever nineteen year old Jason Tatum was at that time. But uh, <laughs> when you yeah, with a center, it takes so long to develop. This feels like. Kind of his his first opportunity to you know it feels like he's kind of of that same ilk at this juncture. I'm I'm just really interested. What do you think? I mean, do you think Aiton something clicked for him to the point where that is now the standard that we should expect from him game in game out moving forward, or was that just good matchups, good vibes, and Chris Paul barking at him? I don't know. What do you think? I think we're gonna have a couple of random lulls here and there from Aiton because that just kind of happens with him but if you look at his stretch from let's see it was January coming with the stretch yeah monster stretch didn't he January 18th until April 25th so that was almost 50 games he averaged like 16 and 11 and shot 64 percent from the field like there was an adjustment period early and he tailed off a little bit late in the regular season. I think that, like, mm-hmm. it, you know, he might have just been like a little bit tired or something like that. But yeah, I get it. He was really good for the lion's share of last year. And if he is that guy, which I think that it's more likely than not that he is that guy, Phoenix is going to be really good. Uh, mm-hmm. He has gotten so much better on defense, and this comes from someone who was high on him defensively. Like I was yeah. higher on him than anyone defensively entering the NBA. He made the All Pac-12 defense team. I thought that a lot of the mistakes that he got kind of hit with from people were more 
inexperience as well as like guard play mistakes that then people look at him and like he's in a bad position uh because the guards had like kind of laid him out into a poor position um Mm -hmm. yeah i think he's gonna be pretty good i'm not gonna lie to you i think that uh he's gonna have no i I think i think that's fair i think he goes what would you what would you peg his numbers at I think that what he did as a sophomore when they were bad, and I think that like he goes eighteen and twelve with them being good next year. Yeah, that's that's playoff. That's playoff Aiton. So yeah, that's that's the answer right there. I, I'm with you. I think I think it absolutely can happen. I mean, he's 23 years old. This is his 20 age 23 season that's coming up. Yeah, and you're right. Something absolutely clicked on the defensive end. It was building, but it, it went to a whole new level and he just started posing him imposing himself in a way that I didn't see during his great stretch during the regular season. But he, in the playoffs, he just decided I'm the fucking man. And, uh, yeah. he hasn't been proven wrong yet. I guess Giannis yeah. was just <laughs> a little, a little better. That's, uh, no, not a knock on Deandre Ayton that Giannis is better than him, but <laughs> well, and, and I, I, mean, I would knows, man, he's, he's special. I wouldn't discount the addition of JaVale McGee either. Uh, gold medalist I'm JaVale McGee, by the way. Uh, it's Olympics gold medalist JaVale McGee. I love it so much. Uh, he is going to give them His mother 48. is still with us. Yes, his mother is still with us on oh, now. I got a note. I got a notification from Bleacher Report. I think it was yesterday where it's like JaVale McGee and his mom are answering questions Uh because I think she won a gold medal. Maybe that's maybe I'm making that up. Um, yeah, Pam. I, Pam I is a gold medalist as well. Yeah. yeah. So so it's a family of gold medalists, and it's like I just remember seeing it. And it's just like still with us. Still <laughs> with us. Think about Pam McGee. <laughs> still nice, with it's us. It's a nice hook. Every time, every time JaVale gets mentioned on this podcast going forward, it's going to be JaVale McGee. Pam still with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, still with us. So. <laughs> oh my god um i'm sorry i knocked off the train i thought what about the alderman frank kaminsky he yeah, resigned Frank's that doesn't fine. do it for you uh campaign they got campaign in a really <laughs> good number I, i'm not a big landry campaign fan. but yeah i would not have made that really necessarily what? why not i like landry shaman what don't you like about his game I don't think he can stay on the floor defensively. Well, that's a good reason to not like it. That's fair. And he's on <laughs> the last think, year. I think he can be dead eye. He's on the last year of his rookie deal, too, so he's about to get expensive. I, I would have rather had the 29th overall pick than Shamit. Yeah. Okay, I buy that. I buy that. I think I think that when you're a team in Phoenix's situation where you do have two young players, I mean, three if you want to include Booker at this juncture, he's still young, even though he's experienced. But when you have guys like Aiton and Bridges, like... I don't know. I, 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 I we'll see what happens with the contract, but I like the concept of having a sh- buying in on something that is a better known commodity now to help you this season. Like you don't yeah. need to develop a future superstar. You got to. Um, maybe that's that's probably overstating it with Bridges, but I do really do like I really do like Bridges this game. Oh, I think he's great. Uh, is this team better or worse? They will be better through internal growth. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is, like, can they beat the Lakers in the playoffs? I we'll see. I'll be interested. It'll be a hell of a series, man. Yeah, that will be a fun one. It was yeah, a fun health, one last year. It's going to be even more fun this year. Yeah, healthy Lakers. Uh, well, that that's the barometer for Phoenix at this point. Can they beat the Lakers healthy? I don't know. We'll see. My goodness, how things have changed. <laughs> right? I mean, like, they, can you imagine go, having this conversation last year? 
They will go into that series with real confidence because they beat the Lakers last year. And yeah. I'm fascinated to see if they can do it do it again. Uh, the Warriors present a fun series. Denver presents a yep. really fun series. Jamal Murray's back. The, the West is going to be so fun this year in the playoffs. Like, God, it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. Phoenix, though, is Phoenix going to win like the equivalent of 57 games again this year? I don't know, if only because I think that the West has probably gotten a little... Honestly, the West has probably gotten a little bit worse, if only because San Antonio looks like it's going to drop off a little bit. The Clippers probably drop right. off a little bit. The Nuggets drop off in the regular right. season a little bit without Jamal. Um, I'm still not worried about Minnesota. Like Maybe the no Kings and the Pelicans get better. But you know they, they probably do win something like 55 games again, now that I think about it. Yeah. So, now, uh, I'm interested to see how much Chris Paul plays. Yeah, we'll we'll see where they land. Like I think there's a chance that they, they got two good up. backups, Alfred Payton and Cameron Payne are good players, man. But you don't want to, you know, that's not if those are your two point guards for half the season, you're not a 56 win team. You're a probably 51 no. win team. So yeah, we'll see what they do. But they are okay. uh, they're established good. Sacramento Kings, the Bay Area zone. Sacramento north. Kings. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, our favorite team here in the Bay. Uh yeah. Read read me through that transaction list. They re-signed Rashawn Holmes to a four-year, forty-seven million dollar deal. Rashawn Holmes, this year's absolute winner of the contract reporting chicanery. It was originally reported <laughs> at four fifty-five when it was. Uh, <laughs> Not a 455 deal. It came in at 447 because that's what he was allowed to sign under his early bird rights. Um, <laughs> signed Terrence. I love the agency chicanery. It's always hilarious. It's incredible. Um, signed Terrence Davis <laughs> to a two-year, $8 million deal. They traded DeLon Wright for Tristan Thompson, which was a bit strange. They re-signed Mo Harkless to a two-year, $9 million deal. They drafted Davion Mitchell and Nimi Keita. They signed Alex Len to a two-year, $8 million deal. Uh, look, they did what they had to do this summer. They re-signed Rashawn Holmes to a deal that I think is phenomenal for what he is. And they drafted Davion Mitchell. And Davion Mitchell looks absolutely great. Yeah. I don't know if they got better, though. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know that this. they got better compared to other teams in the West. But I do think okay, Davion fair, Mitchell... Yeah. Like I think Davion Mitchell like really helps them because he is he, first off ready he already play. has a bitchin nick he has a bitchin nickname off, off night. night it's incredible yeah, off night's an incredible name it's so good it's so fucking good it, it hurts he is as you would expect from somebody his age and with his pedigree ready to rumble as you noted um, he might be the talisman for some sort of a change what's more likely is that this team is pretty much the same as it was last year and by the way this Buddy Heald situation which had a level of toxicity to it i think is fair to say has not been resolved marvin bagley um and all of that has not been resolved tristan thompson that's going to work out great everyone's really expecting big things there and not you know a, a deep level of peculiarity that will almost certainly show up come thanksgiving um 
but at least they have Tyrese Halliburton, who's fucking awesome, and De'Aaron Fox, who's fucking awesome, and uh, you know, Alex Len might be good for him too. And Rashawn Holmes got paid as well; he should have, not as much as you know his agents. He said it got paid, but got paid nevertheless. The I just the I just thing, don't see him making the playoffs. The thing with the Kings is that their their best six players, let's say are De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. I legitimately would throw Davion Mitchell in there, Harrison Barnes, okay. and Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. So three of those guys are point guards. <laughs> One of them at is least, like at a... Least, s- at least Halliburton can flex out, you know? Like, he, you can put him on the wing in a funky way. One of them is Buddy Heald, who's a six-foot-four shooting guard. And I lo- like I like yep. Buddy. Buddy's good, but he's six foot four shooting guard. And then your other two are Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes. Figuring out how to get competent lineups on the court is going to be the trickiest thing for Luke Walton this year. <laughs> well, if anyone could do it, it's Luke Walton. That's what worries me. <laughs> I mean, how many how many weeks do we give old Luke? Because I thought for certain his ass was getting fired at the end of the year, but apparently it's just not worth. It wasn't worth buying out his contract then. How many weeks until it becomes worth it for for our man Radik? Uh, it, it, this it, does it, feel like no, the spot where someone gets fired, right? Like it feels there's no that friggin' way. way Luke Walton makes it through a season in Sacramento. He shouldn't have made it through last season. They should have fired. Sorry, I like. I like Luke enough, but like he's not the right coach for this team. But I don't know who the hell else wants to coach this team. By the way, it's not like there's a bunch of people banging down the door, being like, "Give me the Kings' job." Yeah, like like rotation and staggering rotational awareness and staggering players and playing the right guys. Like that's never been Luke Walton's strength uh, to begin. What would you say Luke Walton's strengths are? Yeah, I'm unclear. Uh, on As a coach, I'm very unclear. Um, I, I know a lot of stuff that he's not good at. I'm yet to find the other stuff. Yeah, t- to me, having the worst defense that I think I've seen in NBA history. Um, and uh-huh. by the way, they posted the worst defensive rating in NBA history last year. I don't know if they were worse oh, yeah. like, relative to league average, necessarily. Mm-hmm. but That's a good stat. Like, I'll look that up. Yeah. It was it was it was hilarious. It was like the fucking Globetrotters were playing every single night. Their their transition defense was an abomination. Like that alone to me was a fireable offense. Their defense last oh, year yeah. was a fireable offense. Sam, I don't believe really in firing head coaches cuz like I'm not I don't know what the hell's going on. Like I'm just watching basketball. And so I'm not picking up the emotions of the locker room and the relationships that have to be managed and, um, you know, trying to run sets, but, you know, certain guys can't do certain things. Like, I have a hard time really diving down that rabbit hole and saying a guy needs to get fired. I watch a lot of Sacramento Kings games. There was not a single Sacramento Kings game that I watched last year where I didn't think they got to get this guy out of here as it pertained to Luke Walton. Like, there wasn't a single game where I go, Luke's really got him cooking tonight. Every single game it was what the hell is this? This is the most disorganized, nonsensical team I've ever seen. This is bad coaching. Like, he is the textbook example of doesn't know what he's doing with this squad. Watch the team win 60 games this year because I just said that. But, like, it is it's incredible. Um, credit to Luke Walton, who apparently cannot be fired for any reason because um, 
I can think of about 20 right now that I would have fired him for already. Yeah, like, I, I know they but went But other on, than like, that, I mean, good luck to him. I know they went on, like, a they won six out of seven late. I mean, they, they beat, like, a... Always a great standard. Underman Lakers team. They beat the Thunder, who were tanking. They beat a Pacers team that... I don't want to be here anymore was the epitome of oh. that team by the end of the year. Incredible. And they beat the Thunder twice. So much shit on them. In that yeah. six of seven like wins. The run. overtly tanking Thunder. This team made the Portland Trailblazers defense look competent. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. The Blazers were laughably bad on defense. They made the, they they somehow had a worse defensive rating than last year's Houston Rockets. Yeah. They made uh, Carl um, Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell look like friggin scotty pippen and dennis rodman <laughs> it's just wild the whole thing is wild the hell up out of here the hell up out of here the whole thing is just crazy to me that the luke walton is still the coach of this team is uh <laughs> it's a choice for sure um <laughs> again who who else wants to coach the sacramento king <laughs> i will say like on paper i, I am excited about a good amount of the You'll players do it. on this team. You'll like, coach the Kings. Is that no, what you're telling I will, me? I will not coach the Kings. Um, I am very happy here in Australia. Sacramento's lovely. I have been there a couple times. Very the similar very similar climate to uh, certain parts of Australia. So it might be an easy <laughs> transition. Um, I like a lot of the players on the Kings. I really think Harrison Barnes mm-hmm. is one of the most underrated players in the league now. Uh, I think you. that Darren Fox is a future all-star. I think Tyrese Halliburton yep. is going to be one of the absolute oh. best role players in the NBA. He's a hundred million dollar player, like absolutely amazing. I thought Rashawn Holmes, he's marvelous, is one of the better offensive centers uh, in terms of finishing ability and in terms of creativity as a finisher. Given his little floater game that he has, uh, yeah, in, in the league as we've seen, I love Davion Mitchell so much. I think Davion Mitchell is yeah. so good. You're, like you're beaming, you're glowing. I can see your glow through through the internet. It's incredible. I his defense is incredible. I, I saw he's it a, too. He is a culture changer. He is a different dude. He is going to instill he's like, work ethic. Smart. Like you're you're not going to like beat him down as a guy. Davion like, Mitchell's the not coach of that team now. <laughs> have him and Halliburton coach the team. I I just don't have faith. I just don't. I, I wish I did. Marvin, I wish Marvin I had, Bagley doesn't do it for you. I mean, may, maybe he figures something out. I don't know. But like, what would that? What would that thing be? What What's the best guess on that thing? Well, Marvin Bagley needs to learn how to defend in, in any regard, and he needs to shoot. Like those. Those are the two things. If he does either yeah. of those things, he's a much better player. Right now, he is a finisher who does not defend, and that's a significant problem. For the Kings, but Amen. look, I, I want to like the Kings so much. Like I really, Same. genuinely want to be in on the Kings. I think Monty McNair seems to be on the right pathway. I just can't Agreed. buy them for this year as long as Luke Walton's the coach, and as long as they're just not going to like have a defensive scheme or a transition defense that makes like <laughs> remote sense. I mean, you could have stopped after uh, a defensive scheme. They don't have a defensive scheme. <laughs> Not, not much. It's not even a question of is their defensive scheme good. It's do they have one. Um, it's rough. I love that arena, though. I love Sacramento. 
I would really like to drive up there more often. Give me a reason. Give me a reason, Sacramento Kings. Make this the year. Make this the year. I don't know how. I would how, love it. But make it the happen. King, Kings fans are so desperate for it. They're fucking awesome. They're not, Kings fans they are should so be great. desperate, but they're fucking awesome. They're fucking awesome. They're, they're really, so... They're like, they care so much, and this team has given them nothing. They, Here's a stat that I looked up for while I was writing about Davion Mitchell for Summer League. Yep. The Kings have not had a league average defense since 2006. And in oh. every year since then, it's not just that they have had a not had a league average defense. They haven't been within a point per 100 possessions of league average since 20. The Seattle, the Seattle Supersonics still existed. Yes. The Seattle Supersonics were in the league when that happened. Yeah. They had a defensive rating, by the way, that year. I'm trying to find it. Sacramento Kings 11th, 103. And in four of those years, only four of those 15 years, have they been within two points per 100 possessions of an average defensive efficiency. They have been so bad on defense for so, so long that it's like almost impossible for me to fathom that this is like a real thing. I, I cannot, I can't understand how it's kind of, it's kind of bad comforting. for so long. <laughs> it's kind of comforting. At least, you know, one thing is true in this world. You know, they're going to suck at defense every and, year. The Charlotte Bob, the Charlotte Bobcats were still in the NBA at that point. And I'm just looking now at the like pure numbers on this. Last year was not even their worst relative defensive rating in this stretch. Jesus. They had a team that the was 5.5 points per 100 possessions worse than average when they had Keith Smart as the coach in 2013. Oh, yeah. They had a That's team back when Reggie Theus was the coach. In 2009, mm-hmm. that was 6.4 points per 100 possessions worse defensively than anyone else in the league. <laughs> shout was out. Also playing power forward. <laughs> shout out Kevin Martin, John Salmons, Brad Miller, Beno Udre, uh, Andres Nocioni, Francisco My Garcia, Andres Spencer Hawes, Jason Thompson, Drew Gooden. Oh. That, is a, that is a group defensively. That would have been that. Oh God! Could someone write a book on that team? Someone write a book on the 2009 Kings. <laughs> so I don't need anything. I'm kind of over all these like how super teams got together and broke up bandwagon, mainly because I've had to live through it here. I want like just a book about like being around a shit team all day, every day, with Andres Nocioni playing 27 minutes a night. That's what yeah, I what want. What is what is that like? Oh my God! Uh, what the a- San Antonio Spurs. The last year, the Sacramento Kings had an average defense. The San Antonio Spurs had the best defense in the NBA with a defensive rating of ninety-eight point seven. Oh my God! <laughs> that was the year of the Oklahoma City Hornets. That's what oh, that was that year. Yikes! Again, Charlotte Bobcats, Oklahoma City Hornets, Seattle SuperSonics. That's how long it's been, folks. There are guys who are going to be in the NBA in the upcoming years who were born in 2006. Oh, my God. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> the, well, well, we were like age, we're in like 2002, 2003, right? Like that's where we're at now? Uh, yeah, 2002. Josh Primo was born, I think, like December 23rd, 2002. Something like that. Mother of God. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the Lakers had the best high defensive efficiency this year. In the NBA at 107.1. Yeah. 
I think the three pointers changed some stuff. Do they even have the three point line the last time the the Kings were good at basketball? Oh I feel bad. Like I, I, we really want the Kings to be good. I gotta, like, I gotta get these jokes off. Effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage were the exact same back then. <laughs> Fair. It was all twos. They only dribbled with their right hand. Koozie. And everyone was white. (laughs) Oh, man. Do we think the Kings got better? Um, Yes, because Davion Mitchell exists. Yeah, who did they lose? I mean, who do they. how How do you divide by zero? Yeah, honestly, like marginally better. And. Had they lost Holmes, it would have been no. But anytime you can add Tristan Thompson to a place where he doesn't want to go, you got to do it. So, oh my God, this is—I mean, seriously, does Tristan case. Thompson like play a? Does he like play a minute for this team? Like, why is he on this squad? Why? What? What is I going on there? Is this a? Is this a bet? Is this, is this like a bet? a bet gone wrong? Oh my is this, God! Is, does he have a camera crew following him at all times to make this a docu series? Are they making the Andres Nocioni movie book that I wanted as a docu series? Like, what's it like to be around a bad team all the time? They're not going so, like, to be like they're Tristan look, Thompson. This team's going to win like thirty five games at least because they there's eighty two of them players. now. We don't get. I agree with that. I agree with that. They have good young players. Um, I feel like they're not in the best environment to yeah. learn how to win at the NBA level. I agree. I, I, I it pains me. Big, big ups to Andres Nocioni, by the way. I hadn't heard that name in years. He was a seminal part of my childhood. I was going to say he played for the Bulls. That's a that's what I'm saying. Number five, man. That's a deep. And he had, special. And he had the uh, he had the no the no product mop going on top. I mean, he looked like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. It was really incredible stuff. Except good jacked. wing, good wing, Andres Nocioni. <laughs> yeah, he was he was jacked. He was Argentinian and jacked. If I got that right. Oh my God, he was Argentinian. He was, he was like he was like a, he, he was like a smaller Luis Scola. Yeah, he still is Argentinian ten years younger than Andres is still with us, but <laughs> <laughs> much like Pam, much like JaVale McGee's mom, Andres Nocioni is still on this planet. Who would have thought in the seven years since he's been in the NBA that he'd still be around today? A finely tuned athlete in his 40s still with us. Oh, man. Oh, what a dream. Um, if you're Dieter, wondering why I don't come on the show all that often. <laughs> It's just this this derailed beautifully in a, in such a great way. Um and plus Countless. like I'm like letting it derail because I am like 8 minutes away from vacation. <laughs> oh god. It's fantastic. Dieter, I, I'm going to start writing this book about <laughs> the 2009 Sacramento Kings. That's what I'm doing. Oh my god. Tell the people where they can find you. You can go on Twitter. My handle is at Dieter D I E T E R. I'm there usually posting something silly. I try to at least. You can do that. I'll post everything else at that spot because uh, I'm a man of, of many paychecks. And that's that's a good that's a good problem to have. Go follow Dieter. He's the best. Uh, I'm so happy he came back. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. At, at, at something, we'll find out what that is soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe. Do everything you can to support the show. We'll be back uh, next week. I think I will actually have um, like live, essentially, shows. Uh, I will be back from vacation next week. I know that, that you're listening to this. So until next time, we will talk soon. Bye. Bye.